All right, have you have you folks heard about the canvas bag? What about the canvas bag? I ain't heard no about, about no canvas bag, no. Not not heard about this either. Oh, you're gonna love this. I I'm not even kicking off with a non-video game related non sequitur today because this is too juicy. I'm gonna I'm gonna fire out one guess. Yeah. This is something to do with a ridiculously overpriced special edition of a game. Take me home, canvas bag, <laughs> to the place where it's been replaced with nylon. Uh, this is fantastic. Um, this is on the, what's it, that Resetera uh, forum. Someone linked me to it because I was banging on about loot boxes as usual. Because um, David Jaffe's been defending them. Um, but that's neither here nor there. He went into a bit of a tizzy over it. Um, so I was talking about people equating loot boxes to censorship. And I was pointing out publishers don't actually care about that. They'll censor anything to sell it in countries like China and stuff like that. Um, and then someone, when I said publishers don't give a fuck, someone linked me to this and said, nope, they sure don't. David Jaffe's one of those guys. I love following him on Twitter because like 50 of the time I agree with his hot takes and the other 50, I'm like, I totally don't agree with that. Yeah. But I kind of like that he just like shouts them out anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, he doesn't he doesn't care. More power to him. Yeah, he doesn't give one solitary fuck. <laughs> I think he's com- wildly off base with his defense of loot boxes, but then I I would, wouldn't I? I don't agree with him on that one either. I think loot boxes are fucking disgusting. I think we're seeing industry mouthpieces really reach anyway. Mm. But anyway, back to this. Canvas bag. So, the Fallout 76 Power Armor Edition. One of these ridiculous... Uh, 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 it's nearly 200 bucks. I want to say like 170 and change bucks for this thing. Um, you get a map, I think, and little figures and a book and a Power Armor helmet. And it's all supposed to come with this lovely canvas. It's a beautiful looking canvas bag. Like, like, for carrying it all. Or at least the helmet. Um, the final product, someone got it in, and it's it's gone from canvas to nylon. And there are many materials you could use that are cheaper than canvas that could at least look a bit better than fucking nylon. I mean, if if there was ever an astute metaphor for Fallout 76 right there. Oh, don't don't you worry, we'll get to that, because certainly the responses in this Resetera thread. Oh, they tried to sell me a lovely canvas bag, but all that I received was a fucking nylon rag. <laughs> Take me home <laughs> to Fallout 4. <laughs> Which is where I spent all week, by the way. Oh dear. Oh dear. Leave 76 outside the door. <laughs> Back to Boston. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> I've been I've been quiet during this whole conversation because honestly, my brain just switched off at some point. I was like, "Oh, uh, a collector's edition that wasn't as good as it looked and was supposed to be in its promotion <laughs> and Fallout 6 being a bit of a disappointment in some regards. Oh no. Oh, oh no. These, I, oh, these are such a surprise. Here's the thing. It's never a surprise that a collector's edition doesn't look as good as the photos. But I've just sent to the group chat that we're in a picture of this as compared to advertised. And I do think it's a new level. It's a new level of, oh my God. Um, Because, you know, yeah, right? I can't accurately describe how bad it is. I love how the person has like the helmet inside the bag. Like they're ashamed for the world to see it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm I'm looking at this and the the one that was advertised looks like 
it doesn't particularly look like a like a cheap video game prop. It looks like it might legitimately have been like a canvas like army bag. It looks like it could be an army surplus thing, yeah. Yeah, someone's been storing their surplus uh, army coveralls in it in a shed for a while or something. It looks like a nice little prop. And the actual thing is like, <laughs> that's a raincoat someone zipped up and yes. sort of balled up. It's a balled up cheap raincoat. And didn't iron. It's not ironed. Holy shit. Is that the... Is that the actual response? Right, that's that's where we're getting to. I thought that was someone paraphrasing it and exaggerating it. No, well, uh, I, I still haven't gotten all the way through this thread because it's a resetera thread, which is just basically like NeoGAF threads, which means I read through it for the Schadenfreude just to see people make fun of stuff. But every time I click on a new page, the thread has added two or more pages. So yeah. I haven't got to a bit where they've said it's fake yet, but... If it's true, someone emailed the Bethesda Gear help desk to find out why they had a shit, rough, like, crinkled nylon bag. Like, I've got to point that out. Like, Laura's comparison to a raincoat is so astute because it is like a shit cheap coat that they haven't ironed. It's the raincoat that you get when your parents don't have much money and, like, you've just tripped over and ripped a hole in your coat <laughs> yeah. and it's starting to become winter and it's like, well, shit, I guess yeah. we need to find we need to find sofa change and get you some kind of coat today. This will do. The material quality looks as such as if you go to the beach and you're on the pier and you've got those little 25p box machines. <laughs> like a like a gashapon machine, but British and shit. Uh, and some of those in the olden days, they may still have them, had like the little capsule you'd pick it, like pull it open, and there'd be a little plastic rain hat in there. There was basically just a strip of clear plastic cloth with some string on it that you'd tie to the top of your head. It's that quality and it looks as crinkled. Uh, so anyway, this person who got this in, this final product, emailed uh, the Bethesda Gear help desk and they replied with, We are sorry that you aren't happy with the bag. The bag shown in the media was a prototype and was too expensive to make. We aren't planning on doing anything about it. <laughs> Um, I don't know yet if that's been faked, but it does seem so far that that is a genuine response. Um, of course, people are having a field day with reappropriating that comment to, um, you know, Fallout 76 was a prototype and was too expensive to make. We aren't, I've I've seen a lovely (laughs) shot of Todd Howard with the quote underneath, we aren't planning on doing anything about it. Oh, but no, no, they, they are completely fixing the game, by the way. It's, it's going to be better and an amazing game forever because the stash limit is going from 400 to 600. The game is saved. Uh, Take me home, stash limit. Hey, hey, did you, did you hear that this past week people worked out how on demand you can completely crash the servers for that game and Bethesda can't really do anything about it right now? Is that with the three nukes? This is the nukes thing. This is the nukes. If you coordinate (laughs) setting three nukes off at once, it just completely fucking breaks the game for everyone on the server and is fucked. Fallout 76 is the game that keeps on taking. I mean, alternatively, you can just play it for half an hour. That usually breaks the server as well. Oh yeah, it, it'll it'll <laughs> fix it'll break itself for you, won't it? That's that's the convenience of this game as a service. The meme going around is how Todd said you'll never see a server, and then people are just seeing disconnected from server all the time. Ah, yeah. What a mess. Oh, guys. You know what? I really hate this. I fucking... I actually really hate this. I feel like really shitty shitting on a Fallout game because I, it's my favourite fucking series. Do you feel shitty about the fact that, you know, if you bought it full price, 
you'd only have to have waited a week for one of its two discounts to drop. There was a discussion we had about how it retro... I can't remember who was saying it retroactively made the other games worse. That was me. I went back to to Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 this week because I was like, I needed to go back and make sure I wasn't mad that, that, you know, I I loved them for the right reason. And Fallout 4 has much better combat than 76. Like, it's not nearly as glitchy or, or... or weird, or off. Cyanide's Call of Cthulhu had better combat than 76. I'd never call Fallout 4 a very polished game, but it's much more polished than 76. Yeah. Like, it, ne- it I, I've never had Fallout 4 crash on me. and I, I'm certainly not saying they aren't good. There's there's a video game in it as well, so, like, that's, that's still a thing. <laughs> Plus, you know, Piper and, and Nick and... And all the gang. Yeah. Well, what I, what I said when I was talking about the retroactive reassessing of my criticism, uh, it's more that the flaws in 76 are so apparent, as they were with Dynasty Warriors 9, that mm. it made me look back and think, holy shit, I overlooked a lot because of what else the game was doing. Mm. Which isn't to say that what else the game was doing wasn't really, really fucking good. It's just made me so much more keenly aware. It's made me more sensitive to the glitches in these games. Yeah. The the issue is is that Bethesda have for quite a long time, uh, with with Fallout in particular, and with a lot of those reissues of of uh, Skyrim, have really managed to get away with being behind the curve. Yeah. In terms of like where open world games are right now, because of the fact that the things they did well, they did well enough that we were willing to ignore the issues that are the same issues we're getting with Fallout 76 now. It's just like, oh, I I no longer have the carrot to pull me forward. I'm now realising how much I dislike the stick behind me. Yeah. Yeah. I misspoke when I first criticised the game and said it was a Fallout game with the Fallout taken out. That isn't anywhere near as descriptive of say- as saying it's a Bethesda game with the Bethesda taken out of it. Yeah. All of the things that Bethesda, all of their get out of jail free cards were just burned in pursuit of this mess. Yeah. They took out the good parts of Fallout 4 and then they made the bad parts worse. They just doubled down on everything that was shit. I think they must have just fundamentally understood what parts of their open world games people were playing for. Mm. Like, it it just feels like a fundamental misunderstanding, and they thought that we liked the bit that was like, no, we put up with that bit to get the other bit. Either that, or they just didn't care. They just thought, well, fuck it. We'll slap Fallout on an open-world survival game because it's Fallout. The money will make itself. I don't, like, I don't know who, like, was in charge of the decisions and stuff, but it just really sucks because I, like, I know a fair few Bethesda devs and staff and i know some of them listen to this podcast and i feel really bad talking about their game this way because but then because it's not i am i'm 100 percent sure it's not their fault this was someone no. high up in but in in zenimax probably just decided yeah fuck it put it out you know it, exactly like i i don't doubt that a lot of work went into this game from a lot of people who cared a lot about it it's just this the problem with this game is it just highlights the things that Bethesda has just never got around to changing because it's like, ah, it's fine. People buy our games regardless. It's fine. We'll we'll focus on we'll focus on other things. And it's just brought all those things really into focus. And I think what's been really telling is I've seen a lot of outlets uh, sharing a very similar sentiment in features this week that basically boils down to, hey. 
whenever we get Elder Scrolls, uh, Elder Scrolls Six, the bar is gonna need to raise considerably because, like, people have opened like this. Fallout seventy six has caused people to open their eyes to these problems, and yeah. I don't think they can get away with those problems again in Elder Scrolls Six. They fucked themselves creatively with Fallout seventy six. This game came out a few weeks after Red Dead Redemption two, and I'm not expecting anyone to spend the obscene amount of money they get yeah. spent on a Rockstar game, and of course those man hours. But to come out weeks after with something that couldn't even be comparable. And to, and to take away anything they might have had that was unique to them, that Rockstar didn't mm. have. It's just an embarrassment. Well, y- you know what I think has really hurt, hurt Fallout 76 more than perhaps anything else is um, the release timing of the, uh, the beta this week for uh, Red Dead Redemption Online. That ain't gonna help. That's really not gonna help because suddenly it's like, hey, that game that everyone, like, you know, that came out, previously and was a very content rich over uh, open world now it also has an online thing why why are you paying attention to fallout 76 again yeah and it's also gonna basically humiliate fallout 76 in the monetization department not because it's better because fuck the amount of microtransactions that are going to be thrown into that game fuck the amount of microtransactions that were in gta online and yeah. from what I've heard about the grinding in this one, I'd, I'd never want to play Red Dead Online. From what I've heard in earlier reports of Red Dead Online, it's just an absolute free-for-all grief fest. Probably. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. But they are going to succeed where Bethesda failed in that. We can slap the Red Dead name on anything and make a shit ton of money. And it's only going to make Bethesda look even more incompetent because they tried to do the same. And it don't look like they're, they're succeeding very well. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a Bethesda game before have this situation where within two or three weeks of a big Bethesda RPG coming out, it's half price. Yeah. Like, the standard retail price has halved within less than a month. And this is one of two discounts they've had within that week. Yeah. They had one where it was like 33% off, and then the next one came um, not that long after. Um, I compared it in terms of business trajectory to Evolve. I'm not saying that they're going to start giving the game away for free. I won't be surprised if we see sooner than expected some free weekends. But it's okay, though, because like that one person that complained about the sales, they got 500 atoms as a sorry. So it's okay that now that they've lowered the price. I mean, that just speaks volumes about where I think they hope to make their money on this. Yeah. It's, all, it's all about the atoms. It's all about the, the microtransactions. It's part of this whole business model of... So long as we just make more money off the same people, we'll be okay. And that's just a band-aid on the broken business model of the industry. The stuff in the Atom store just... It's shit. Is n- in, in no way <laughs> motivates you to buy it. Like it's... it's shit. I had a look, yeah. It's the paid mods all over again. Plus, it's all stuff I can go into Fallout 4 and, and just have for free, so, you know. Right, down, yeah, I mean, that is paid mods all over again. That's what they did with their creators fucking club, where it was like... Here are some worse versions of things you can get for free elsewhere. Because they... I don't want to call them lazy. I understand that can be taboo, and I, I reserve the right to use that word in very particular, like, spectacular moments. Because it's an, it's an all-encompassing thing, and it, it also probably doesn't apply to the people who worked on the code for this game and who were forced... 
who were told you're making this. The people who worked on the game worked very hard, but the business model of this game, the the the, the ways in which this game is hoping to make money, is lazy shit. Just like the Creation Club, where they had so many critics and had to knock it out of the park and didn't. The philosophy behind the game is pure lazy, like... It's motivated by laziness. It's so cynical and slapdash and get this shit out. And again, I, I think the people who worked on it did work very hard, but their work's wasted on an awful game, an awful production. That focuses on all their weak... It's like, it's like, it's like Metallica letting Lars record a, a solo album. With only drums. <laughs> yeah. And if they're discounting this heavily this soon, I mean, it doesn't paint a good picture. Mm. It certainly suggests that this is vastly underperforming. Because I know the, the physical sales sold like about 80-something, 80 83%, I want to say, less than Fallout 4. But physical sales are not a good indicator these days. You don't no. know how many are selling digitally. But... That bigger drop that soon in the discount department is damning. There was some similar story about Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but then it turned out that had actually outsold uh, Origins. Yeah, so we can never tell. Sorry, I th- I feel like I might be a, a little. One of us is a little behind him because I feel like I keep interrupting you. We are overlapping a lot. I apologise to the listeners. Um, we're both getting our ideas out, so it's fine. It's probably just awful for the listeners, but I don't care <laughs> so long as I get fucking heard. <laughs> this is it. As long, as long as our ideas get heard, who cares about the listener experience? This is about us and us saying our opinions. Um, I've actually got an official statement about any technical issues in this podcast. Um, we don't plan on doing anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. The New York Times should do an op-ed on our not giving a shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you know a few weeks ago when Jim's internet had just been upgraded and we advertised that like ah there's no lag the show quality is going to improve that was just a you know a test run a promotion and uh it, it turns out it's too expensive to do it that way so we're just gonna go back to being shit sorry yeah we don't plan on doing anything about it i've actually replaced my microphone with a nylon bag i just scream into that now mm. i don't plan on doing anything about fallout what are you doing bethesda what's up oh god people um who play games are so wary these days of you only get one chance to fuck up like that. I mean, look what happened to Bioware after Andromeda. And that was a much better game <laughs> than Fallout 76. Yeah. Um, didn't did they close that wing of Bioware down, didn't they? Like whichever I don't know. There was like a sub studio or something, and I think that one just went kaput after Andromeda. Thankfully Bethesda aren't under EA. <laughs> no, no. They they will be allowed one fuck up, but you know, Starfield now is going to have to be amazing. Yeah. To win people back, it's going to have to be single player only. It's going to have to be amazing with characters and an interest. I've, but I have this really bad feeling that Starfield's going to come out and it's going to be like this No Man's Sky type thing. Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's the worry I keep having about Beyond Good and Evil too. It's just like, oh. Yeah. Games are all... Video games are going in a direction and I don't like where they're going. I was watching that trailer again this week, Laura, and uh, and the gameplay, and I was like, I really don't like the look of where that's going gameplay-wise. Yeah. Like, can we please just rewind the games industry? I don't mm. care that we're going to have a graphical and technical downgrade as a result of this. Can we just, like, go back to the PS2 GameCube era and that we just get more games for those consoles? Yeah, can we just go back to when video games could just be sold as video games? Yeah. When companies made money by just selling the products that they're in the business of making. 
can we go back to offline-only consoles that has single-player or local co-op experiences? Yeah. I know that we'll miss out on some great games, but that trade-off feels worth it at some moments. Can we go back to a time when the industry was not so fucking reckless that it was risking government regulations all the time? (laughs) When it was not getting the Federal Trade Commission to look into gambling in the fucking games? Can I also say to all the people who've been screaming at Bethesda who are really good at single player games who all of you have been screaming at them to do multiplayer for years thanks a lot <laughs> i don't I, I don't want to blame them fully i think just that the industry is so skewed now toward crap like that where it is just it's about making the money first i'm not blaming people either by the way that was a joke in case anyone gets mad i i know i just i just want to make sure that people don't get mad <laughs> um yeah like like I think that's more of a monkey's poor wish because Fallout multiplayer is not a bad idea. The idea they had was terrible. It's it's a twisted be careful what you wish for scenario. It's like you wanted Fallout multiplayer, but you didn't specify what kind, did you? Welcome to Rust, mm. but worse. Uh. And then that's what we've got. Um, but this is where the industry is skewing. Like They want to tell us single-player games are dead and unpopular. That's not true. It's just shareholders need more money all the time, and the best way to make that money is an open-world, preferably online experience where you can encourage people to stay within your ecosystem and just keep charging them for things constantly. Um, that's where we are at, and the success of things like GTA Online only makes other companies and, and shareholders especially look at it and say, that's making so much money. Why aren't you doing that for us? There's one bit of news that I want to point out that just, like, I hold on to with hope and just go, maybe someday the shareholders will notice this. Uh, you know that Pokemon game what ha- that what we have been playing a lot of, what has no microtransactions and stuff in it and is just a game that you pay for and then you have? Oh, sure. Uh, apparently that was the fourth best-selling item of Black Friday across all industries. Not surprised. Like, all items that sold on Black Friday, that was, like, fourth best-selling thing of Black Friday was single-player Pokemon game. I like that. I like that it was that as well, because I know some people are really pissed off at Pokemon Let's Go's existence. Yeah. Like, it's being metabombed with about the same gusto as Fallout 76's in user reviews and stuff. Um, A lot of people don't like it, but... Obviously, I loved it. Yeah. And I am, I'm personally happy to see it succeed because I'd like more of them. And, and I, I don't think they have to come at the expense of a traditional Pokemon. I would be really okay with, like, alternating years. We get a Let's Go entry, we get the new next-gen game, we then get the Gold and Silver remake the next year, the next new one, the... Like, just alternate the years. Give us, give us remakes every couple of years. Yeah. I'll be thrilled to see more Pokemon games, like, more traditional ones. But... Personally, and I only speak for myself, and I'm not going to tell anyone they have to like it or or be happy with it, Um, but from a personal experience, Let's Go reinvigorated my interest in Pokemon stuff, so I will gladly welcome more of it. As someone like 140 hours into Let's Go, um, couldn't agree more. Yeah, so I'm I'm really thrilled that did well. Um, yeah. I'd be interested to see how well Fallout 76 did um, during Black Friday. I, I haven't heard anything about the sales numbers on that. Funny, huh? Oddly enough. They, they're not shouting from the rooftops about how amazing it has it has been going over with fans. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, like we, we can never know for sure how well a game's doing, but we always know when they're doing really well because publishers will gladly 
volunteer that information when it's something to boast about. So clearly, it's nothing to boast about. Um, but I'll try not to make this the full-on uh, Fallout 76 Pokemon Let's Go episode like we had last time. Yeah. Yeah, we've had 25, 25 minutes of it now. Yeah, should we do the introductions and say hello and who we are and what the show is? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. Um, I only wanted to talk about the funny nylon bag. Um, <laughs> Welcome to Podquisition. I'm your host, Jim Sterling. I'm joined by uh, your other host, Laura K. Dale. Hello. Hello, I'm here. I'm still playing Pokemon. I'm I'm trying to get a shiny Lickitung while we record this podcast, because this is my life now. Nice. I like Lickitung. Lickitung's a cool Pokemon. It's one of my favourites. Yeah. Lickitung is great. Um, I, I, I've had some people telling me off for trying to go for shiny Lickitung next, because they're like... You're up to 61 shiny species. If you just waited a bit, Lickitung could be number 69. <laughs> nice. And he's got a big he's got a big tongue and that would be quite funny, which it would be. I renamed one of my Ekans's 420, so just as it was at level 68, just so I could tweet a picture of my Ekans <laughs> where it says 420 is now level 69. <laughs> um, that's what I do with my life now. That you you're actually trying to complete something. In, you're trying to achieve something in Pokemon Let's Go. You're trying to get all of the sh- a living shiny <laughs> Pokedex. I'm just seeing how many weed and 69 jokes I can do. <laughs> I am amazed that you are still with it. I had thought, as much as you loved it, I thought something would have knocked it off by now. Yeah, I've cooled off a little. I've, I've, I'm now going a bit slower. Yeah. But I am like logging in to at least get a bottle cap. Um, per day. Well, that's it. Like at, le- at least once a day, I'm doing like a run of the Elite Four and getting a bottle cap, so that it's like, okay, I've I've got some resources coming in, so that when I have a day where I really want to play it, I've got the stuff ready. Yeah. And I nabbed a shiny ghastly, and the ghost line <gasps> is one of my oh. favourites as well. Um, and that was almost by accident. Like I was chaining up ghastlies, and I was like, if one turns up, I'll be happy with that. Yeah. Um, but then I put the switch down on the ottoman briefly to, I think, just look at something on the TV or look at my phone. When I went back into the game, a shiny had walked into me, and it was just there on the screen waiting to be caught. So nabbed that, happy with that. I will give you one warning in advance, uh, Jim. When when your shiny gets up to a Gengar, it just looks the same. It doesn't look shiny anymore. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, it is one of two Pokemon in Gen One where its shiny variant is like you've got to have a fucking keen eye to even spot it is different. Yeah. Uh, the other one is Zapdos. Zapdos doesn't look no fucking different when it's shiny. That's a shame. Yeah. But like Ghastly and Haunter look nice. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta I gotta get with you at some point to trade off. Like I'm almost. F- I'm almost completed the Pokedex. Um, but I've got to get them ones where you trade and trade back. Uh, if you want to do that at literally any time, even when we finish this show, if you fancy doing it, I, c- I can help you get that Pokedex complete because then you'll get the thing that increases your shiny rate, which will help you out a bit. Um, yeah, I'll get with you at some point today, probably, um, and get that sorted out. Like, I've got all the ones ready to trade. Um, then after that, I've just got to get Dratini and uh, Dragonite. No, not Dragonite. I got the Dragonite. I picked that one up. Ah. The, the, the the two evolutions I didn't do. Um, so, yeah. And we are also joined by Gavin. God, <laughs> it's really staggered today. I was just like, you know, this, they've forgotten. They- <laughs> no, 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 no. I've... I, I try to never make such mistakes again. I was texting my girlfriend's m- mom, so, you know. <laughs> well, at least you're making good productive use of your time. She just heard the new songs, though. Aww. Oh, lovely. 
Yeah. Um, hello, Gavin. How are you? Good, good. I just put out my uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 Arthur Morgan inspired song today. Lovely. It's doing really good. So that's nice. Yeah, I was going to ask how your YouTube's doing because mine's not been doing bad lately. It's been, let me just have a, I will have a quick look there now because I haven't really been keeping on top of it, to be honest. I've been, because I, I noticed recently that my Spotify has gone through the fucking roof. Nice. And I'm closing in, I'm closing in on 70 million Spotify plays now, which is fucking crazy. I, That's great. I totally, I thought I was only on about nine or 10 million, but it's like seven times that. So that's crazy. I'm getting like the Spotify plays that big fucking bands are getting. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Hang on. I'm sorry. I'll just quit fucking bragging. Hang on. Let's have a look <laughs> at YouTube, see how it's doing. Doing, yeah, doing roughly three million a month, which is like still a lot less than I had been doing last year when it just overnight dropped. But it was, it's yeah. it's better than I was doing at the start, start of this year. I'm closing in on three million lifetime and I'm quite excited about that. Woohoo! <laughs> Whoop whoop. Yeah, my gym positions have been getting the kind of views they were getting before the big drop. Good. Um, so no gains, but it's it's a mixture of things. I'm not expecting it to last. I still think mm. there's a big uphill struggle, but I was curious to see how others were doing. Um, it's been fortuitous. Good topics recently. The Fallout one did well. There's been some good topics, good timing. Hating on Fallout 76 has become like a mini <laughs> industry on YouTube now. <laughs> <laughs> There's that. There's a lot of loot box stuff that's been kicking off, and yeah, your gambling one this week was really good. Thank you. Yeah, that that was good. Yeah, that was. It wasn't the most uh, untrodden of my ground, but it was a lot of stuff I really wanted to get out there this week. Um, The uh, the uh, the Dark Siders one had a lot of stuff I I related to in it as well. (laughs) Yes, let's let's have a chat. Yeah, I I feel like that needs to be a discussion topic for a bit. Let's have a chat about Dark Soul Siders and now. I've had a lot of pushback on some of my criticism. A lot of people thought I was unfair. Um, a lot of people thought I was unfair the day before release, though. So a lot of them didn't even play it. And I've not bothered looking at the comments since then. Uh, and if you have played it and you think I'm unfair, fair enough. Absolutely. If you enjoy it, you enjoy it. I'm not going to devalidate that and invalidate that in any way. Uh, but I found it offensive. <laughs> I have played it since I last talked to you and... Mm, I ain't disagreeing with your thoughts, and neither apparently are any of the reviewers I have seen, and neither is Gav, I don't think. You you saw the, sh- the, the screenshot I sent you, didn't you? Yeah. Did you see that, Jim? Yes, I did. Only one other occasion on this podcast have I spoken about getting a refund on a game, and that was Ghost Recon Wildlands. We, we, we put, like, what have we been playing in the chat? And Gav said, I've been playing Dark Siders 3. And then he just posted a screenshot of him uh, requesting a refund from Steam. And I can't blame him. A lot of people, I think, saw the footage. Because I always try and at least get good footage of the game, you know, looking as good as it possibly can with me playing as well as possible. Yeah. Um, and when you are playing okay on the game, it looks fine to look at. But you've got to communicate how bad it feels to play. Yeah, this is the problem, is I talked about this game a little bit when I went to uh, Gamescom back in August, and I was like, they didn't let me touch the controller, but I saw footage, and it looked good, and I enjoyed watching it be played, and I would like to put my hands on a controller and try that, because it looks good. And then you touch it and you go, ah, that's why they didn't let me touch it at Gamescom, isn't it? Yeah. Everything feels clunky. The, the The screen is a mess during combat. Mm. Um, 
like a lot of the dodging I was doing in the game was m- some of it luck, where you're just. I feel like something's probably going to hit me soon. I better dodge and hope that I don't dodge into an attack because there don't seem to be any invincibility frames. Someone compared it to Witch Time in in Bayonetta and said, well, that's why you've got to be good with the dodges. But I'm like, no, the dodging in Bayonetta is competent and works and the enemies aren't designed to track you so they hit you while you're dodging and hit you. They know where you're going to dodge to and hit you there and they hit you from off screen and it's cheap as shit. The difference in Bayonetta is in Bayonetta, if you don't time the dodge perfectly, you still do a dodge and you still get out the way. It's just an extra bonus if you time it perfectly. Yes. Here it's... You, you don't get a good dodge and you get hurt, or the, the bonus, the reward, is, okay, you didn't get hit. Yeah, and, and and let's just very, very clearly say that Dark Souls doesn't work that way either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, when I said it was a shameless rip-off of Dark Souls, um, I might be more sensitive to certain things this game did than others. It took something from Dark Souls, which is having to start the whole fucking level again when you die at a boss, which... Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if I was just terrible at this game, but I died like four times on the first boss, and I got so fucking pissed off. I didn't die that much, but I'm not surprised because it's such... The combat is such a mess. Here's the thing. There were certain sections where I would just feel like I was dying for no reason, and I felt like it was, I know what I need to do, but the game just doesn't seem to be doing what I'm trying to tell it to do. Yeah. And and the thing is, is combat's either that, or if it's combat you can be reasonably successful in, it's waiting for the enemy to attack and then dodging and then hitting them. Because they will just block anything. So you just wait for them to create the opening. The timings just feel really weird in the game. I didn't I wasn't able to get the hang of like kind of I wasn't able to get any rhythm. No. The enemies just attack like wild. And they very terribly communicate the attacks. And and there is so much going on. And they throw so many enemies at you from off screen. You can't get a rhythm down. And there was also stuff like, um, and this was in the first boss again. I would dodge, do a perfect dodge. And then my counter move would, would would put me in a position where I'm automatically getting hit by their next attack. So I would do the perfect, I would do the perfect dodge, hit the counter... And my move, and I can't back out of the moves. And by the time I've finished it, I'm after going directly into the path of the next attack. It's a game that punishes you for the slightest mistake you make. But it wasn't even a mistake. Yeah, but what I'm saying is it's a game that punishes you. You'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, (laughs) It's a game that punishes you for the slightest mistake you make and punishes you for the slightest mistake it makes. Mm. So that's, that's where I'm with you on this completely, Gav. Yeah, there was there was one thing it really reminded me of, and, it, and it's me bringing up Pokemon again, but not the, the Pokemon now. Uh, there was a problem with the original Gen 1 Pokemon games, where if you switched out your, you know, you, you're going up against something that's going to have type advantage against you, you would swap out your Pokemon and be like, aha, now the, the type advantage attack that's going to completely destroy me, it won't, because I'm switching to a different type of Pokemon. And the game would just, like, change its mind and be like, yeah, but I'm going to pretend that I knew you were going to do this and I'm going to punish you for it regardless. Yeah. It's it's things like that where it's like, it feels like the game changes its mind about what mm. it was going to do to be like, oh, you're doing that? Okay, Uh, let's pretend we weren't doing what we were doing. Let's hit you where you're going to be now. It does a thing that drives me nuts in uh, fighting game or slasher, whatever, in, in any game where if you start your attack and this is even with little low level mobs if they have a faster attack they can interrupt your attack yeah 
the amount of times I've went to swing for an enemy and they swung and we just hit each other and both staggered. And it happens so many times and I can't describe how unsatisfying that feels every time. Yeah. It's so irritating. Or even even if you could cancel your attack and dodge, then it would be okay. But I well maybe you can, I just didn't figure out how to do it. <laughs> I know, it's just it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell what's going on in that combat. I also wish I could remap the dodge button, because having it on R1 feels really unintuitive to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a great control scheme either. Um, but this game, I still maintain, is more, way more shameless as a Dark Souls ripoff than any of the other ones were as Zelda. Like, the Zelda ones could charitably at least be called homages. This feels so cheap in terms of what they ripped from Dark Souls. Because, yeah, th- like, it's still got a lot of other appropriated gameplay from games like God of War and whatnot. But in here, it's... You know, you've got the death system of uh, Dark Souls. You die, you go back to a spawn point. Volgrim is now basically a bonfire. And you go pick up the souls, uh, which you then spend into a whopping three attributes. Ooh. Uh, you, well, so you've got uh, Estus Flasks this time. Uh, Nephilim's Respite. All two of them. Uh, which act exactly <laughs> the same way. All two of them. You, know, you can upgrade them in dribs and drabs. Um, you've got, uh, what else you got? There's a lot that... I often forgot, I forget how much there is. Um, we can talk about the lore and shit uh, that they've just taken. Very early in the game, Fury, the main character, is asked whether she'll perpetuate the cycle or stomp out the flames. <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. By the time I encountered a character called the Lord of Hollows, who performs hollowing, I was just, I, I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Oh, so can I tell you, like, a thing that's been really frustrating me about this game that like I think they thought was going to be cool and it's just not worked for me is the whole convoluted world design and no real signposting as to where you should go and no like yeah that the fact that like the, the whole idea I get what they were going for this idea of like ah there are always big landmarks like that big tree they wanted to copy dark souls again yeah they're like you know you're working towards that sort of thing and you'll work it out and finding your way there is part of the appeal but it just doesn't work because some of the routes you're supposed to take make no fucking sense you know what copied dark souls in that respect and did it well god of war yeah yeah god of war did it well because like it made logical sense working out how to get to these places you were trying to get to if you can't design a, a an environment distinct enough for me to tell properly where i'm going give me a fucking map give me a fucking map yeah plus it is it like it's not a very fun environment to be in i found it's just really not aesthetically you know it's it's some open spaces connected with a lot of shit corridors um there's a reason why you do not get to play around with a horse like you did in the last two games <laughs> um you know the, the horse had a limited use in the first one and was used a lot in the second and this one is so regressive and people have said it's unfair of me to compare it to darksiders 2 which had a bigger budget bigger team fair enough this is regressive compared to darksiders 1 as well because at least that had nicely designed zelda-esque dungeons this has fuck all i was gonna say that actually because um i i played darksiders 2 and I played it, I would say, for about 10 hours. And then after that, I kind of just lost interest. But I can certainly appreciate why people love that game. That that had a lot. And like the aesthetic I really liked in that game. And yeah, it's just the combat and stuff didn't really do it much for me. But 
this one this one has none of the things that kind of kept me playing that one for for that 10 hours you know and the dark side of series never had the best boss fights but yeah. at least they didn't feel like regular fights with a bit more health yeah. this one and the bosses are so underwhelming which is a shame because the premise is great mm. i want to fight the personification of the seven deadly sins yeah that's and that fits that world so well oh uh, you know the avarice character with the big bag of uh the big bag of like wealth on it he's the only boss i liked i was but i was looking at that and i was, all i could think of is how how fromsoft would have created this boss he'd have been lumbering crawling on the floor under the weight of his uh yeah greed you know instead of like hopping around like a madman <laughs> you know I, I don't know yeah and and the game runs terribly the performance is is the slops um what were you playing it on uh, i was on ps4 it runs pretty well on pc from what i can gather PS4 was mine as well, and it's not been a positive experience. I, I, I fought Sloth twice. I died once and fought him a second time. And before each encounter, it just goes... <laughs> as the game just stutters three times before you get into the fight. And that's not an oh. uncommon occurrence. Um, and that's to say nothing of the, the weird places they decide to freeze the game for loading. Like, just to load stuff. You know what annoys me most about all these annoying things it's that there are times where this game makes me really want to like it yeah like there are bits of the the world design uh the the character designs i really enjoy a lot of the personalities that they give to the characters there are things about this game that i i want a good version of this game like there is a there is a good game somewhere here that could have happened yeah, And it just makes it all the more annoying that all of these problems just stack up. And I know some people think that I like to sh just shit on games for the fun of it, but I, I really cannot communicate how much I wanted this game to be good. How much I love Darksiders as a series and desperately... I never thought the time would come that we'd see another Darksiders game. I was overjoyed at that idea. I love getting to love games. It's great. Like, there are very few times that I'm happier when I have a game that I absolutely love and I can just go, here's a bunch of things I love and they made me happy and just waffle happiness words. It's great. Yeah. I don't like not being able to do that. I get no joy from this. My heart is sunk. Like, this is Dynasty Warriors 9 again. Like, Darksiders is another series that I adore. And to see it like this, I would rather have not have had a game. I would rather have them just ended with Darksiders 2 and left it at that. And I don't often want to say that about anything. You know, but this is not a case of it's better than nothing. That nothing would be better because I think this game is a, a shallow stain. And I understand that smaller team, smaller budget, you can still make a good game with a smaller team and a smaller budget. It's not like that doesn't happen all the fucking time. Uh, either replace the big scale of the game with something better or I, just do that. It's here they just took out some of the scale and design of, of not just Darksiders 2, but the first Darksiders as well, and replaced it with nothing. I, I understand some people didn't like the changes in Darksiders 2 and said, well, I'm glad that they don't have loot drops anymore or, or that level of, of depth and that open world, quasi-open world design. Fine. 
But if you're going to take a step back, don't take a step back farther than Darksiders 1, which again, at least had well-designed dungeons and, 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 and a, a some sense of scale. And you can make a smaller, more intimate game, but you can't just do Dark Souls. You can't just copy Dark Souls because so there are too many games on the market that just recognise Dark Souls is famous for being tough and is very popular, and we can do that. You can't. You can't. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, you can't make Dark Souls. And it's beyond arrogant for you to think you can. Make your own fucking thing. It, it depresses me to... To have this much negativity for a new Darksiders. No, it absolutely sucks. Um, I, again, I'm this harsh because I give that much of a shit. Yeah. And, you know, some people are really... They're not happy with what I've had to say about Darksiders 3. My, my impressions went up on Monday and there was a lot of bargaining and denial and pushback. And a lot of accusations of me being unfair. Um, I'm not going out of my way to be unfair for a fucking lark. I am being as fair as I feel I can under the circumstances of just how crushingly bad this game is. It's awful. No loot boxes, 10 out of 10. So. Uh, well, is there some like nice good stuff we can focus on for this week? <laughs> Other than our disappointment in two of our favourite series. I, I can talk about a game that like, I think it's interesting, this one, and it's the thing that I've been playing a little bit today. Um, so you know how a couple of months ago, Telltale Games just, like, shut its doors out of nowhere? Yeah. Speaking of, oh, yeah, back on the good news train. <laughs> give, give, give me a sec, Gal. I'm um, joking, I'm joking. So, uh, when they let go all of their staff, they did keep on about 20 people for a couple of weeks to finish off a single project, mm. which was the port to Netflix of Minecraft story mode. And that came out today, or at least the first three episodes of it, and I had a look at it. And I'm not going to say that this is going to be, like, game of the year for anyone, but I think it's interesting as a thing to look at because of the implications it has for, like, what that studio was trying to pivot towards. And I think what maybe is a good direction for Telltale themselves to decide to go in the future, so... Yeah, if if you played Minecraft Story Mode, it's a it's a Telltale game. You've got button mashes to do to get through things. You make some choices. You sometimes walk around and try and find items that might help you, and that that sort of thing. It's a choice based adventure game. It's it's aimed at kids because it's Minecraft. Um, the way that they've transferred this to Netflix is it's interesting. They clearly trying to make this appeal to people that don't play video games and to make it very clear to them if they click on it, this is different to just watching a TV show. Here's how we explain to you what this kind of mechanic setup is. Um, there's a lot of things that are done to be very transparent about this is when this is an interactive piece of media and this is when you're just watching. Uh, the way they tend to do that is they will bring up a slight frame around the edges of the screen to basically give people a, a second's heads up hey, there's going to be a choice here, you're going to make a choice. Mm -hmm. uh, they've stripped out a lot of the unnecessary chaff from the Telltale design, and in doing so, they've stripped away a lot of the gameplay, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. For some reason, all I can think of as an equivalent is Banzai, 
I don't know if anyone remembers Banzai, the old Channel 4. Yeah. Is, is Shake Hands Man in this? Can we bring Shaky Hands Man back? <laughs> um, so yeah, like, they've taken away things like, there's no longer doing the button mash to, like, go through, basically to make a cutscene happen. Um, there's no, they've cut out a lot of the choices that led nowhere. Like, you know, sometimes in Telltale games, there'll be, like, two choices, and no matter what you pick... The dialogue might be slightly different, but you're going to do the same thing. A lot of those, they just took that choice away and they're just like, well, we'll pick one of them arbitrarily and like because it doesn't really matter. Yeah. They stripped it basically back to the choices that actually somewhat branch what events you're going to see. And I don't think it's necessarily hurt for that because the, the appeal of Telltale stuff is... Here is a story that you occasionally will have to make a tough choice and then you'll see that play out. That's still intact. It it runs it runs really nicely, and I honestly think this would have been a really good business model for Telltale. I think if they could have got these big brands in front of an audience that isn't having to pay for a video game that's just like, ah, I, I already like The Walking Dead. I've gone on Netflix and there's a new Walking Dead thing. Oh, it's interactive. That's quite cool. The way I see that potentially going, and may still go now that it's out there, is just Netflix dropping Telltale like a hot shit and deciding to do it all themselves. Well, here's the thing, is Minecraft Story Mode is the only one that is happening with Telltale. Um, Telltale had the budget left just about to get that thing finished, and that's done. Um... Netflix were working with Telltale on a Stranger Things Telltale game, which... Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, there's footage of it. It was clearly, like, a decent way into development. I honestly want to see Netflix just, like, pick up that script and go, okay, maybe we just finish this ourselves. Maybe we just do our own thing here. Because there is the skeleton of, like, a good idea here. Yeah. I feel like we we are potentially edging towards Netflix games. With, with stuff like this. <laughs> Edging. Yeah. <laughs> Having played this, like, Minecraft Story Node is by no means my favourite thing that Telltale ever did. But as a proof of concept for this, I would be really okay with more of this on Netflix. I would be really okay with Netflix, who know how to write good original stories, putting some of that into interactive storytelling. They're doing alright with their Netflix stuff. What What do you miss out by... The only things you really miss out on in this port is the combat, which was never really a big thing anyway, because usually if you failed combat, it was an actual game over and you just redid the scene. Scenes where you were wandering around to find the things that you need to find so you could continue just now are very brief, quick cut scenes and it keeps going. It keeps the pace of the story a bit more intact. And you still get those branching choices. Which is... I don't know that that's bad. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Also, uh, just a couple of things that I thought were interesting about it. Um, They've added original new content that wasn't in the uh, the original game. Uh, like, there's a there's new, like, Patton Oswalt voice, ro- uh, voice recordings and things. Primarily based around, like... There is a new intro sequence to this game that basically goes, Hey, we're going to assume that you've never played an interactive story type thing before. Don't panic when it tells you to do stuff. It'll all be okay. Don't don't freak out. Um, hmm. And like, it'll, it holds your hand a little bit initially, maybe because it's on a streaming service, maybe because it's for kids. 
Like, the first time a dialogue option shows up, the main character looks at the camera and goes, So, she's just asked me a question. Now you have two options and this will dictate what I say back? And it just does it once, but it's like... Yeah. We're gonna, like, really hammer home to you that this is an interactive thing that will change things, but... Very interesting. Yeah. It... It's... It's not my favourite Telltale thing, but I would recommend just giving it a look out of fascination because I think Netflix could do something with this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm Yeah. I'm going for seeing what they could come up with. I I, w- I would be happy to see Netflix pick up where Telltale left off. Yeah. And it's very feasible. They've got the resources and clearly the interest and they're pretty damn good at, at doing things that, you know, your traditional entertainment companies and, and industries aren't picking up. The, the two places that I've got my eyes on right now and I reckon might be potential places that we see the future of Telltale end up is is Netflix and, uh, what is it, Skybound, the, the Robert Kirkman company that's doing the, the rest of oh, yeah, yeah. that final season of The Walking Dead. I'm curious to see which, if either of them, tries to be like, we are the new Telltale. Yeah. Because I I wonder whether Skybound or whatever they're called, I wonder if they have an interest in continuing this beyond The Walking Dead. Or if that's where their interest ends. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, Only other thing I saw this week that was just like, a bit of news that... It's just like really positive, and I hope it. I hope that we don't get the downside of this news down the line. Uh, you know that uh, Xbox One adaptive controller for people with disabilities that you can plug a bunch of stuff in and have like a mass-produced disability controller. Yeah, that currently is working on Switch. Ooh. People have found ways to get it working on Switch currently, and that's like a really good thing because like Nintendo kind of really suck with accessibility stuff at the moment. So mm-hmm. as long as Nintendo don't like patch it out, currently like for about fifteen quid you can get a couple of adapters and it'll work on your Switch. So that's a good bit of news that I hope stays that way and Nintendo doesn't just go, that's not a Nintendo controller, is it? Nintendo accessible, I think not. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's been a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's all I had. Either you got any more gaming things you want to chat about this week? No, not really. Fallout <laughs> Fallout Three is still great. Yeah. It hasn't been ruined for you. <laughs> I might have to go. I might have to go read back. Go read back. I'm about to go back and replay. You know what I really miss from from it is being able to just give real shithead smart ass answers to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> when they're talking to you, <laughs> um, I did. I did play a little bit of Pokemon Go this week. I was I was at a convention in Birmingham, and the internet signal was terrible. And there was a raid I wanted to do, and I spent about forty minutes with my friend, being like, "Come on, we'll both get in at the same time eventually and beat this thing." I got my legendary. It was all good. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, um, yeah. I've been watching that season three of the old Daredevil. So right, I've not started season three, but I've heard good things. It's good. They um, yeah, they they bring in Bullseye. Ooh. And do him really well, really real creepy stuff. His his, and and Vincent Vincent um D'Onofrio is. He's just always brilliant, as Kingpin. Oh, I've been watching that new uh, Netflix Shira show. Oh yeah. 
It's oh, it's very gay. It's very gay. It's very gay. I'm I'm a big fan of how gay it is. It's it's the animation style that put me off. Like the characters yeah. seem well designed, and you know I've I've had fun laughing at the the, the grown men who are now pretending they watched Shira. <laughs> um, the, the 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 fake nostalgia boys. Yeah. Crying about it. Is that the one people were losing their absolute fucking shit over because? Yeah, they find her harder to jerk off to in this. I don't. I never understand this. Oh, ruining my childhood thing. Because your childhood was, is finished. It's gone. You know that 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 original Shira show is on Netflix. You can watch it if you like. How is what the kids are watching now ruining your childhood? Uh, you can't. Uh, she's got shorts on under her skirt, though. I can't jerk to that. By the way, I had I had a Shira storybook. <laughs> oh <Aww>. yeah. Oh. <laughs> Back when she looked like, I don't know, like some mage out of a fucking RPG. <laughs> yeah. My, my favourite thing about the uh, this new She-Ra show is it has not once in any way, shape or form acknowledged the existence of He-Man. And I'm like, hmm. okay, I'm okay with this. Grumpy Skeletor on Twitter would be very happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know that's coming at some point. We're, especially with the way 8 exploitation's going on right now. Like, Oh yeah. Hell, I mean, we were. I, I was showing a friend of mine uh, that Detective Pikachu trailer, and he was he he could see nothing but the dollar signs in that, and just the genius of of how well that's going to do. Yeah. Um. And then we were talking about like what could come back, and we're overdue. Like, we're at this time of of creativity in film and television. Not so much games anymore, but film and television, where you can get away with so much shit and you know forget the Dolph Lundgren film, which was its own thing and very tailored to the to its time. You could get away with an unapologetically eighties He Man movie, and He Man He Man was like super gay as well. <laughs> oh hell yeah! I mean, I'm, I mean, just look at him with his little furry furry jocks. <laughs> I think it's no mistake that like we're finally seeing work on a proper animated Mario film that it, that Nintendo are mm. heavily involved in. Like now, people want authenticity now. Like the market is demanding. We want recreations of things we loved. Do we? Because every, every time it happens, anyone who loved it seems to lose their fucking mind with rage. The thing that I've been really enjoying about a lot of these these remakes of old things recently from the 80s has been that there's a lot of them that are being remade without this whole urge of, like, we have to sell a new toy every episode. Yeah, mm. yeah. And actually going... What if we just told a story with those characters and we made the story the focus and we, mm. we gave our audience a bit of fucking credit for being able to work out what's going on? Yeah. And it's been really nice. Like, I've really enjoyed the, the, the Netflix Voltron show. That's been really good. It's had some really fucking dark shit going on in it. I've heard that's good. Yeah, Justin tells me that's very good. I'm looking forward to the Bumblebee movie. That looks really cool. That looks all right. Yeah, it's been directed by the guy who did... Um on the two strings nice oh that gets me quite interested have you seen the trailers i i've seen them at some point i remember being like oh yeah that looks all right it ha it has like it looks like a nice just kid meets robot iron giant style body movie but like what really got me is the designs are all the gen one designs and you know yeah, yeah. I did mark out a bit when I saw the the star scream in the trailer yes fucking stand <laughs> sound wave <laughs> mm-hmm um, you know somewhere it, at Disney they are waiting for the right time to deploy themselves a live action gummy bears. You Ooh. know that's gotta be coming. That's Ooh, gotta that's... be coming. I can't wait for like 
the really angry fedora nerds on Twitter screaming about how this is not my Sylvanian family. <laughs> I can't jerk off to these Sylvanian families. <laughs> like I did to the old ones. <laughs> this is not my raccoons. You're eventually going to get that uh, that Gummy Bears movie, but it's going to end with that like mid-2000s YouTube song about the Gummy Bear that was really annoying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're gonna get that though. It's all it's all a trade off, isn't it? It is a trade off. It's all a trade off. The new Peter Rabbit killed my childhood. <laughs> Where's the sex? You know what else they need to bring back from the eighties? They need to bring back they need to bring back Ulysses twenty one, but just like bring <gasps> it back. Don't remake it, just show it. Yeah. Well, I mean they they're doing that with that neon Genesis Evangelion. They Oh yeah, that's that's finally coming to Netflix, isn't it? Ulysses. No one else can do the thing to you do. do. What a fucking show. Ulysses. And then the little robot starts singing. Yeah. That was such a great show. I was always so scared of like Zeus and the gods in that show. It creeped me out as a kid. It yeah. was there's an unsettling atmosphere to that show, if I recall correctly. Like with many, like a lot of eighties kids shows were super dark. Yeah. And and unsettling. I want them to bring back Pirates of Blackwater. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that fucking Terra Hawks thing? Oh no, Terra Hawks was Zelda in Terra Hawks is the stuff of nightmares. Fucking terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and like even even like kids' movies like The Dark Crystal were absolutely fucking. Oh yeah. I still get nightmares about the Skeksis Emperor. Like <laughs> Netflix is doing that. Oh really? They're doing the the Dark Crystal TV series. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is it is it like gonna be puppets or is it CG or? Um, I would be surprised if they weren't gonna do some puppets. Yeah. I I I, I I'm not sure exactly where they are with that right now, but I would be surprised. Considering again how like faithfulness to at least some degree, um, I think because the life right now is so shit, um, <laughs> may like the at least the mainstream audiences are being very receptive to you know they made a big deal about practical effects in the the mm. newer Star Wars films. Yeah. And I think people are longing for the before times before everything went to hell, and companies are going to make some money off that. Mm. That Detective Pikachu is just genius. Get Ryan Reynolds, who's who everyone it seems to have time for. Get, you know, the modern retelling, uh, you know, Pokemon in a modern setting, which people are just going to want to see out of curiosity. Make them faithful, but realistic, so people are going to want to see how their favourite Pokemon look. It's plenty of kid appeal. Base it on a modern game, a newer game, but not one that anyone will recognise as too tied to a video game that movie has everyone that movie has almost everyone on the hook i can't get over how clever how ingenious that that whole thing is i think the smartest thing they did was they took a brand that a bunch of people were interested in but no one still had a 3ds when it came out so everyone was like oh yeah that is an interesting idea and i wanted to pick that up and i never did and now it's a movie yeah i was i'm actually i was that I had a 3DS, but I was like, oh, that Detective Pikachu seems interesting. Maybe I'll get round to it. I never got round to it. And now we got Ryan Reynolds being all cynical and, and as a Pikachu. And it's got me. And I'll, I'll be watching it and, th- and thinking, 
will there be an Ekans in it? And if there's not, when they do Detective Pikachu 2, Detective Pika 2, I will be like, will it be in this one? I have to find out and see and go and see it. God damn video games is shit in comparison. Eh, some of them are, are, are great. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just mean, you know, the, the main AAA space has just gotten so cynical and, and safe and, and regressive in many ways. Only really pushing the boat out and, and innovating when it comes to finding new ways to make money. Yeah, we got, yeah, but we got some great story. Like, we got we got Spider-Man this year that had a great old story. And we had, uh, we had Red Dead 2, which had a great story. And we had, what was at the start of the year again? I keep thinking Near Automata came out this year because i only played it in january we have rare holdouts now and that's what they feel like they're holdouts yeah it, this one isn't good but you know what came out this year and like really fucked up my perception of this year because i could have sworn it was last summer metal gear survive came out this year uh, that was this fucking year i know i tweeted that this weekend i was just jesus christ it was only the same with dynasty warriors 9 i i've been working on my lists for like year end stuff and kept leaving that off because i was like that was last year and then i double checked I was like, no it was february jesus christ also ne- neither of you have played divinity 2 yet which i still maintain has some of the best characters and stories in in the medium i've played some divinity 2 you know what gav oh gav, yeah yeah i'm gonna play it this week for you nice i will play it this week and i'll come back and talk about it next week <laughs> i feel like you're gonna like fame i will give this game a go i will i will report back <laughs> to you in seven days if i can keep myself away from pokemon <laughs> is it cheating to include that on my games of the year list this year because they did release it on consoles this year you put whatever you like on your game of the year you <laughs> yeah. list, Gav. we ain't stopping you because you see i didn't play it last year when it first came out and so it wasn't on my games of the year list so i think i, I think it's fair to make my list this year i think you can get away with it <laughs> do that like, I'm already considering putting Shenmue on my top 10 worst games of 2018, so... <laughs> and I'll have an argument for it. It won't be one people will like, but I'll have an argument for it. Um, you can make an argument for anything. I put I put the uh, Abe's Odyssey remaster once on my games of the year. People, some, people, some people didn't agree with that, but I'm like, it's just it's, speaks volumes of what a damn good remake it was. But anyway, it's neither here nor there. I think you can put it on the list. I don't think uh, I don't think people will worry too much about it. No. Um, God damn! I, I just I just wish the video game industry was as exciting as television is and, and stuff is right now. They used um they used my song in their I forgot to mention that they used my song in their trailer this week actually. Oh yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool to see. Very swish. So there, so there, humble brags so that there, aren't yeah. humble at all. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Mr. Spotify Millions. Should we do a wrap-up for the week? Yeah. It's it's funny, actually, when you say something like that on Twitter and someone goes to a humble brag, and you're like, there was absolutely nothing humble in how I bragged there. No, very genuine brag. Yeah, there was a very genuine brag. <laughs> I think that speaks just about how the internet is changing language to where humble brag just means anything now. Um, but yeah, yeah, like there's no humility here. Fuck it, we're brilliant. You de- you generally find on the internet that um things that are meant as pejoratives tend to just end up meaning everything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but 
We are at the humble brag portion of the show where we wrap things up. So, Laura, how can people find out and look at the things, what you uh, uh, stuff on the internet and you? <laughs> the things, the big thing you should look at. Things I learned from Mario's butt. It's a book. It's a coffee table book. It's on Unbound. You can you can pick up a copy. Help help make it happen. We're like a hundred or so copies away from being completely funded, which is like really fucking close to to the line. So just. Check it out. We have audiobooks, hardbacks, signed hardbacks, ebooks, whatnot, yeah, mugs and things. Go, go pick, go look at that because we are super, 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 super close to being like, yes, this is happening. And then I can start making this book get shipped across the world and whatnot. Other than that, I'm uh, uh, Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Laura K. Buzz on YouTube, Twitch. Uh, I am on. Dice Funk, which is a 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, and 5. They're all self-contained stories. Uh, season 5 that's going on at the moment has Comrade Zimmerman in it. We're doing a big adventure across space. I'm on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, which is a podcast I do with Jane Magnet, where we do silly skits and voices and just try and make each other have a bit of a giggle every week. And probably some other stuff, but that's what I'm remembering right now. Okay, okay. And Gavin, um, you have a, a Red Dead song out right now, I and um, people will need to know where to listen to that and catch up with all of the stuff you do. You can find it on YouTube with a very, very nicely done video by my video guy this time. I have to hand it to Alexander. He did a really good video for this one. That cinematic mode, by the way, in the game was an absolute fucking gift to me <laughs> for this for this music video it was just such a gift but uh yeah go listen to the song it's kind of got this old school spaghetti western ennio morricone style uh vibe to it so you can all listen to that on youtube and you can find it on spotify or itunes is it even still called itunes it's apple music now i think and you can find me on patreon if you want to help me pay my bills uh that's Miracle of Sound on Patreon. And you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, all Miracle of Sound. I'm trying to think, is there anything else? But I don't think so. Oh, yeah, I've got merch. Buy my merch. It's coming up to Christmas. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, uh, we, let's see, we've, we've still got a bit of merch to still send out from the Gymporium. I'm so sorry that things are running late. We have so much to send out. And it is just me and Justin, and Justin's doing most, like, pretty much all the legwork on that. Um, so, in terms of shipping, it's a one-person operation. Um, it is all going out. Like, people are have been getting stuff in. Thank you so much for being patient. There, we we just were not prepared for humble brag right here. We were not prepared for the success of it. Um, and unlike Bethesda, we we do have plans to to fix stuff and and work on it. Um, but it is going out. Uh, you know, so so thank you for you, for bearing with us there. It's good merch. It's good merch. It's worth the wait. Um, otherwise, uh, I'll be in Jackson again uh, as Sterling. Uh, they put Stardust on the poster. That doesn't help me out when I'm trying to get people to remember that I'm that Stardust is not in operation right now. Um, but Holiday Horrors will be at the Hideaway um, on December eighth. Um, bell rings at, if I recall correctly, three p.m. 3 p.m.? It's an early one this week. Uh, 
this upcoming weekend. Um, well, not this week, next weekend. But anyway, wrestling there. Uh, otherwise, you know, thank you for keep supporting us. Um, thank you a, a lot for for checking out the YouTube channel as of late. I know that my appearance on the Co-optional podcast, which you can check that out. Um, go check out Jenna Baines. I, f- I forget exactly where it's hosted now. Um, but yeah, check out the latest Co-optional podcast, or rather the, the last week's. Uh, where I was there uh, with Jenna Bain and Jesse Cox, um, where we all learned the things we have to do as part of our training. And that'll do it. That'll do it. Again, thank you for the the channel's been doing really well. So please keep sharing videos, circulate the tapes, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.